This is Weird Al Yankovic, and I'm here with Dave and Ethan. Together, we are Dave and Ethan's 2,000-inch Weird Al podcast, episode 127-inch. On this week's episode, well, you'll just have to wait and see. And now, the greatest podcast theme song ever recorded. It's Dave and Ethan's 2,000-inch Weird Al it's a podcast about Weird Al. Seriously, the whole podcast is about Weird Al. You don't have to listen, but we're glad you are. Wow! I love that theme song! Allow me to reiterate, that is the greatest podcast theme song ever recorded. Hi, this is Dr. Demento, and you, Dave and Ethan, would be nothing without Weird Al, and uh, Weird Al might be a little different if it hadn't been for me. So, stay demented, okay? Welcome to episode 127-inch, Dave! We finally made it! Yes! We are also very excited that everyone could join us for episode 127-inch, a very special episode. From all of us here at Dave and Ethan's 2000-inch Weird Al podcast, we sincerely want to thank all of you, our pretty stinking majestic listeners, for listening and supporting the podcast over the past nearly two and a half years. And I don't think we even need to say why episode 127-inch is such a significant episode number for Weird Al fans. Do we, Dave? You know, Ethan, I think we do need to say it. Well, Dave, certainly any Weird Al fan worth their weight in cheese whiz already knows why episode 127-inch is such an important number. Well, I really think we should tell them anyway, just in case some newbie Weird Al fans have joined us for this week. Okay, okay, fine, Dave. You're right. The number 127 is extra important to Weird Al fans because it's 1,832 less than the year Weird Al Yankovic was born. Thanks, Ethan. Just in the off chance, I wouldn't want anyone to feel left out. All right, all right. Now that we got that out of the way, we know what all you really want to hear. That's right. It is time. Take it away, Ethan. <laughs> Thank you, Ethan. I really wanted to hear that. Oh, I know you did, and I know everyone else listening did, Dave. Well, while I was making those noises, I had an idea. Okay, just one idea? Well, I guess I've had a few ideas over the years, but... Alright, get this. What if we interviewed Weird Al Yankovic himself? I mean, of course, that would be pretty stinking majestic. But... Weird Al clearly stated that he would not be a guest on our podcast on even one episode sooner than episode 2000 inch, which, as you know, is tentatively scheduled for Wednesday, August 29th, 2057. Well, obviously, Dave, but since it's such a special number inch and all, you know, being 1,832 less than Weird Al's birth year, what if we just played a preview of our interview with Weird Al from episode 2000 inch. That would be great. Why didn't you just say that from the beginning? Well, all right. Without further ado, please enjoy this preview of episode 2000 inch tentatively airing on Wednesday, August 29th, 2057. We join this already in progress. Welcome back to episode 2000 inch. We hope you enjoyed the ad we just played from Burrito Burrito Burrito, the super multinational finance trade organization conglomerate that also sells vegan Mexican food. Yum yum. We love Burrito Burrito Burrito, the super multinational finance trade organization conglomerate that also sells vegan Mexican food. And I just love their new product, the Sky High Combination Sweatband and Solar Powered Blender. You won't look like a jerk, we promise. All right, now as we return to our interview with Weird Al Yankovic, Al, I would love for you to do a little, let's say, quote-unquote, 
time travel with us. Yes, Al, for this next segment, if you wouldn't mind, please picture yourself and also picture your mindset from early October 2021 for these next few questions. Ooh, uh, okay, sure, yeah, I can do that. Um, <laughs> I'd have it no other way. Wow, uh, early October 2021, man, that was... That was just before the announcement of my, uh... Anyway, this is such a unique opportunity for us to ask you questions that were on our minds back in early October 2021. But we have to ask this question first, or our listeners are going to destroy us. Are there any plans for a new album, new single, and or a new tour? And remember, keep in mind that this is asking as of, let's say, October 6, 2021. And we obviously already know the answer, but just go along with it. Man, that was, that was so long ago. I, gosh, it's hard to remember exactly what was happening at that particular point on the space-time continuum. It's, I think there was not a lot going on. Um, I, I don't really think I was uh, actively working on uh, a, a new album or new songs or anything. I, there there might have been a tour in the works. I don't know. It's so fuzzy. I, it's hard to remember. No, that, that that makes perfect sense, Al. I understand it was a long time ago. But, I, you know, remembering back to October of 2021, I at that point, I, I had been hearing all sorts of rumors about, you know, maybe a return of the, the same format of the ridiculously self-indulgent, ill-advised vanity tour or like a no-frill type show. And, you know, I, I don't know if, you know, back then if you would have confirmed any of these rumors, but... You know, if, if you were to return to that format, what might we expect from that tour? I, I, I'm kind of foggy with my memory. That was, man, that was a lot. That was like decades ago. Did we do that again? I can't remember. <laughs> All right. Well, back in July of 2020, there was a rumor going around that you and Lin-Manuel Miranda were set to write and direct a uh, Hall of Presidents exhibit for Disney. Can you shed any light on this rumor? Yeah, I heard that rumor myself. Uh, that would be really cool. Um, it's It was news to me. Uh, <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen because nobody ever approached me about it. So I'm going to say that that was a untrue thing that was being floating around. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Well, all right, so so that's fair. But if you were to write and direct a new <laughs> Hall of Presidents exhibit, how do you picture it? It would be awesome. You don't, you wouldn't believe Lynn and I would kill it. It would be the oh man, they would have to. There'd be like a new land in Disneyland, like Disneyland. There would be like Miranda Yankovic land. <laughs> That'd be amazing. <laughs> I think that would require that I need to get a season pass to Disneyland if that were the case. <laughs> oh, totally. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And I actually, there's another rumor, okay, that I hear frequently is that you may be either writing or planning to act or perform in some kind of Broadway play, possibly even Lin-Manuel Miranda's names being tossed around in that. Is there any truth to this rumor? It was, it's... It was bandied about for a while, and it's still not out of the realm of possibility, but it's not something that I'm actively working on right now. We, you know, Lynn and I both uh, relish the uh, uh, potential opportunity to work with each other at some point down the line, and, you know, that still may happen. I mean, we, we, we've done a few things together already. We, ac we actually pitched a, a show over the pandemic, which nobody bought. <laughs> uh, but but uh, other than that, uh, yeah, I mean, again, not actively working on anything like that, but uh, that's one of the things that, you know, some might happen sometime in the next several decades. By show, is it a musical or was it a TV show? The one that was pitched yeah. or, and didn't get made? Yeah. Um, I, I, I can't really say much about it. It, it was, it had musical elements, but it was not a musical. It was a, uh, it was a um, TV show. But I, 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 again, I can't really, you know, say <laughs> too much more about it because it's one of those one of it's one of those things that you never even mention because there's so many things that kind of like get pitched <laughs> and and you think, oh, they love it, of course they'll buy this. Like, why wouldn't they? And then it just never happens. Can Dave and I buy it and produce it? Is that a something we can do? If you got a huge pile of money, maybe. <laughs> Dave, to you, I, I don't. <laughs> I'll look into it. I might have some some money under the couch cushions I could scrape together. <laughs> <laughs> now, I was actually at uh, 
something way back a couple years ago. I think he did an interview for, it was 92Y in New York City, and you had said something along the lines that you had either written or pitched Airplane the Musical. Yeah, that was one of the... That was one of those many things that, you know, like like I just said, that, that got pitched, they got talked about and never went anywhere. So, yeah, I was I was uh, in discussions with a, with a few people about doing that. Uh, and I, I might have actually mentioned this during the 92Y interview. Uh, I, I said at the outset, you know, I don't want to do this or work on this unless this has got, you know, the approval and the blessing of the Zucker brothers who did, you know, Airplane. And it turns out that um, uh, David Zucker of the Zucker Brothers was a parent at uh, at my daughter's uh, high school. And I ran into him at a, at a high school function and I just kind of floated the idea. And I said, hey, have you heard anything about uh, them doing a musical version of Airplane? I'm, without mentioning that I was part of it. <laughs> he said, oh, yeah, that's a terrible idea. I would hate that. <laughs> Oh, well, yeah, me too. Stupid idea. Yeah, just I wrote that by. Okay, fine. So based on that, I, I lost interest immediately and yeah. it just never went anywhere. Oh, it, it would have been great, I think. But, you know, you got to respect the guy's wishes, right? Of course. Dave wanted to ask about some rumors. I wanted to ask about some controversies, if you'll go there with us, Al. I mean, and these are not current controversies, okay. I would say. They're from your entire career, but... You know, there's always been the rumor um, and the controversy over girls just want to have lunch. The controversy that the, you know, the record label forced that upon you. They forced the cheesy compilations upon you. I would just love to know the real stories behind that song, the compilation albums. Uh, I don't think I've, I've been hiding any real stories. I mean, what I've been saying in interviews is basically true. I mean, uh, I, I was not a big fan of the compilations, particularly uh, in the beginning, uh, in fact, that that's one of the reasons why why when Mr. Lawrence did the uh, did the album art, I think you might have even mentioned this when you interviewed him. Uh, it, the, the idea was sort of sort of you know the image being that that my bones were being picked clean <laughs> by, by the record company. I just thought that you know m- most of the fans had the original albums. I didn't like the idea of forcing completists to spend their money just so they could have a you know, a bunch of stuff they already had. Um, you know, it, it just kind of rubbed me the wrong way. And also because it was kind of a blatant money grab. It's, it's, Scotty Brothers was doing well, but not, uh, but, but, they, but they, they did go through cycles where like, oh, we're, you know, we need a big seller in the fourth quarter or else we're, you know, we're, we'll be in the red. So oh, let's put out another Weird Al compilation. So it was just sort of, it was, you know, I, I, didn't, yeah. I didn't love it. Um uh, but but it was sort of like I was contractually obligated to do sort of whatever they wanted, so that's <laughs> how that happened. And then and then girls just want to have lunch. Uh, again, I mean, it's it. This is now what thirty years ago, at least uh, thirty five maybe. Almost forty. Uh, so maybe. my memory's a little fuzzy, but but what I remember was that you know even though we had like a surgeon and Madonna was huge, uh, I remember my record label being. Uh, pretty demanding about there being a Cindy Lauper parody uh, on the album. I, they, they very well may have threatened not to release it unless there was a Cindy Lauper parody. I, I don't, I, I can't, wow. I wouldn't swear to that, but they were very, very insistent on there being a Cindy Lauper parody. So, and which you can kind of hear in my vocal. I mean, I couldn't sound like Cindy Lauper, so I decided to go the other direction and make it as <laughs> annoying and aggravating as possible. <laughs> which, you know... I love, I love that song. I, I, you know, I don't love the story behind it. I don't like hearing that, you know, your creativity was pushed, but I, I feel like, you know, even backed into a corner, you, you made a really great song out of it. Well, I didn't want to punish everybody. You know, I just, <laughs> you know, it's, uh, and, and I'm glad you, I did that song for you, Ethan. Thank you. Thank you. I'm glad to have that on the record. <laughs> now I am curious though, you know, over your career with Scotty Brothers, with Sony, with Volcano, whoever, were there other times where your arms were twisted on something like recording a Cindy Lauper parody? That was the the most blatant case of it. I mean, at a certain point, they kind of let me do my thing, uh, and I'm thankful for that. But it was just very early on. The the only other thing which I didn't uh, buckle under was very early on, they really, really wanted a Christmas album. Like, can't you do like Whoa. funny, funny Christmas parodies? Parodies of Christmas? Because that was like the thing, like as soon as like 
a novelty artist came out as sort of like, where's your Christmas album? It was, it was again, a quick cash grab because they didn't think, oh, you're going to have 14 albums. They thought, oh, your second album's doing well. Uh, we better get a Christmas album before it burns <laughs> out completely. You know, so uh, I, I didn't want to do that, but I, I did a Christmas at Ground Zero, partly because they thought it was a funny idea and partly because, okay, this should like really put the nail in the coffin of them wanting to do Christmas songs with me. <laughs> Did you write any other Christmas songs at that time that were intended to go on that album if they had forced no. you to do it? No, I, I didn't no. put any thought into that. I, I, did, I thought that, that doing parodies of Christmas carols would just be too hackneyed. It would just be like, oh, like every every kid in the world does like, you know, par- you know, Jingle Bells, Batman Smells. I mean, that's sort right. of like, like it's, it's so universal. Right. It's like, I, I mean, not that there aren't funny Christmas parodies. There, there are quite a few of them, but I just kind of, it just felt like so overdone to me that I didn't want to like add to the, to the pile. Right. <laughs> that's really, I, I think you made the right call there. I think it, it wouldn't have been the Weird Al brand to, <laughs> parody jingle bells again or <laughs> i don't know <laughs> yeah well thank you even you're welcome <laughs> <laughs> well we're probably going to jump around a little bit here i want to ask you a little bit about uh your time at kcpr your college radio station back at cal poly san luis obispo where you got your start and i remember hearing and i think this might have been told briefly in the um permanent record booklet about someone calling into the radio station and playing a prank on you and then you making a big announcement that classes were canceled i just like a little more background about that story did you get in trouble for that and what happened i I did get in trouble for that that was sort of you know one of the worst days of my life uh (laughs) particularly at that time it was just it was it was so embarrassing for me and i i got in trouble and i just Felt like I had really ruined a lot of people's lives. <laughs> what, what had happened? What was was uh, it was raining really hard uh, in San Luis Obispo that night, uh, and because of the terrain of San Luis Obispo, sometimes there are like giant puddles. Uh, it, it's it's hard to get to class because when it rains, it's it's just difficult to to maneuver around campus. And there was an instance where some classes have been canceled because of severe rain. So it wasn't like out of out of the the question that there might be cl- classes canceled because of the weather. And and I was on the air that night. It was I think nine to twelve Saturday night, and it was raining really hard. And I was getting all these phone calls on the request line, like, "Hey, our schools." Is, are classes canceled tomorrow? And I'm like, I, you know, I don't know. I have no idea. <laughs> and I kept getting these phone calls over and over from different people. And then after a while, I was getting calls from other radio stations in town asking me, the campus radio station guy, like, is, are the classes canceled tomorrow? We're, we're hearing these rumors. I'm like, I don't know. I mean, I'm just doing the radio show. I have no idea. And uh, and finally, I get a call, uh, officials call from some guy saying, Hello, this is Robert E. Kennedy from the faculty administration office, and I'm calling to officially let you know that the classes are, in fact, canceled tomorrow. Like, okay, well, thanks. And I still didn't want to say anything because, like, whatever. I mean, it's not my business to tell people right. that. But I was, I kept getting these calls, and I kept getting calls from, like, news outlets, like, what's going on? And I finally said, well, I got this phone call, and, and I guess I should say officially school is canceled tomorrow. Classes are canceled. And uh, at that moment, uh, I heard... I heard that all around the school, school in the dorms, people were throwing paper in the air. Oh, no school tomorrow. I don't have to study for this test anymore. I don't have to finish this, this term paper I'm writing. Yay. And people are partying and having a great time. And of course, school was not canceled. That was a prank phone call from some guy, which I totally bought. And like everybody else took my word for it. And, and school attendance was down. I forget the number, but like like fifty percent the next day. It was it was horrible. And and while I'm on the air, the police show up at the radio station. And there's there, are you the guy oh, telling no. people the school is canceled? Like, well, yeah, that, that's yeah. Uh, but they said on the phone they told me, and uh, I didn't get arrested, but I got in big big trouble. And I felt terrible because, I mean, a lot of people, I mean, you know, they were people were mad at me like, you know, I didn't study for that test. You, you made me fail my report, you know. And uh, wow. I've never been suicidal, but that, that night was like the closest I came to driving my Jeez. car off the road into a ditch. 
because I just felt, <laughs> I felt so bad about the, I was and I've, I've been sensitive about the whole thing for for many years. I mean now that this is like 40 years ago I can kind of see it might be funny <laughs> but, but at the time it was really traumatic for me did it jeopardize you being on the radio station at all or like what was the punishment? Yeah, well, I I, I think I might have offered to quit because I really messed up super big time, and and they were at the, the uh, administration at the time was very nice to me. They said, you know, it was a mistake, and you know, shouldn't have done it, but but go ahead and stay on the air. It's it's fine. Uh, so they they were very they, they were very nice to me. They were very accommodating, and they let me to stay on. And this was very early on. I mean, you know. Yeah. Uh, they, they fired me later for a completely different thing. <laughs> All right. Well, we got to get into that but, but, now. But this, but this was this was a, this was a mistake. So they were fine with it. The, the, the later thing was just me refusing to follow format. Like at at a, at a certain point, KCPR went from being a a real college radio station. But by that I mean like experimental, free form, play whatever you want, learn on the job, have fun kind of radio station, to a model for a commercial radio station because we had a program director who came into power whose uh, idea was, well, you know, college is supposed to prepare you for the real world. And in the real world, you can't go on the radio and do whatever you want to do. You have to follow the rules. You have to follow this tight format and do what we tell you to do. So so she tried to, to run it like a quote unquote real radio station, which was didn't seem very fun to me. And they, they let me do it, do the Weird Al show for a little while longer because they said, oh, it's Weird Al. He's different. He's got this fan base and this, does a specialty show and, you know, let him have his fun. But I guess I was still too avant-garde for management. And it was sort of like they they laid down the rules and, and said, you, you got to toe the line and, and follow format and play exactly what we tell you to play or else you can't have a show. So they didn't really fire me, but they made it to the point where I couldn't go on. I, I basically quit because I like, you know, if, if I can't like do my show, I there's no real point for me to be on the air. And uh, and actually there there was uh, some protests after I left the air. Uh, this was a little blown out of proportion. It was it was front page news uh, at, on the Mustang Daily, which was the school paper, <laughs> saying that the graphic arts building where the radio station was got bombed as a response <laughs> to Weird Al being forced oh. off the air. And I, I don't, and that, that is really an exaggeration. I think some kid set off some firecrackers or something, but, <laughs> but, but people freaked out. People freaked out. It, it was not, it was not a uh, popular decision. Wow. Wow. I mean, so at, at that point, when, when you leave doing the radio show, what was your creative outlet? You were already doing the songs and that, but did, were you able to put more time into writing music? I mean, I mean, I wasn't. I I, I did like the college coffee house stuff, and and uh, I did my Bologna, of course, uh, and the the college uh, uh, bathroom across the hall from the radio station. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was just doing the radio show was just my three hours to have fun, and I bring my friends on to to do characters, and just just to be you know just to be wacky and and, and sort of develop my personality really on the air i mean if you listen to my early air checks it, i sound very meek and timid and unsure of myself and and very little confidence and you can really hear over the course of my radio career in college me developing you know some semblance of a personality uh so that was probably my biggest learning experience in college <laughs> were just those three hours every week on the campus radio show right hmm. When we got to talk to your friend Joel Miller, he was telling us how the drink from the fire hose, the marble and the oatmeal from UHF were somewhat spawned from bits that were done on the Weird Al show on KCPR. Are there other examples of things from the radio show crossing over into other projects or future albums or songs? Probably, you know, because I, I try never to waste anything like any. <laughs> well, um <laughs> I'm trying to like stuff that gets reused all the time, like in uh, in uh, Albuquerque, the the whole uh, was it the donut sequence? I think it was the there there was some whole sequence in Albuquerque that I think was was basically uh, part of a routine that Joel and I used to do in college. Wow. Uh, yeah, I mean, because wow. I th I thought it was funny back then, so why wouldn't it be funny like you know a couple decades later? Uh, and, and I wrote it so like I if I can I can steal from myself. I have no problem ethically with that. Uh, but other than that, I can't think of any exact examples. But um, yeah, I, I I pull from 
the early days uh, right. all the time. I mean, some of the stuff is 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 not good enough to be stolen from. But if if I can ever like <laughs> lift something from myself, <laughs> I'm happy to do that. Cool. That's incredible. All right. So while we're on the subject of Albuquerque, I wanted to ask you a little bit about that song. And did Albuquerque start as a direct parody of Dick's Automotive by the Rugburns by any chance? I mean, because after I've heard Dick's Automotive for the first time, I was pretty surprised how similar the songs were. And, you know, I played that song for others and they kind of agree with me. So was that originally intended to be a parody? No, it's it's a pastiche like any other of my style parodies. It's it's mostly it's mostly the Rugburns. It's a little bit of uh, you know other stuff like Mojo Nixon and George Thorogood and a little bit of Zappa and a, a few things like that. But 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 mostly it's 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 the Rugburns. Uh, and I, I saw them in concert uh, before writing Albuquerque, and I, I went backstage and I told them how much I love them and I thought they were great. Uh, and and they, they were one of those bands that uh, you know maybe not a lot, a lot of people know. And I thought that you know by doing a pastiche, much like Tony O'K. A lot of people don't know Tony O'K., but I, I've done two mm-hmm. style parodies of him. And uh, I, I think people, uh, when they found out after the fact that it was meant to be a, a Rugburns sound alike, they were. For whatever reason, they were offended. Like I, I thought that was a Weird Al original. Like, well, it, it is. It's right. just you know, <laughs> like many of my songs is meant to sound like another group, and the fact that you weren't aware of this group, uh, you know, that's not my fault, really. And but, but that was at the point where I decided that I would thank the artists uh, in the liner notes if I'm doing a pastiche, uh, just to, to make sure that they at least get their credit that way. Oh, that's cool. Sure. When you're writing a pastiche, is it? do you start writing it as a pastiche or is it you're writing a song and you're like, Oh, this could kind of fit in with, you know, an artist or how does that work? I think mostly when I'm writing those songs, uh, I know in the back of my head that, uh, that's what I'm doing. In fact, um, what, what I would normally do is come up with a song, uh, concept and then figure out what style to do it in. I, I used to have in my notebook, I had two columns. One was like song ideas and others were artists. And I would draw lines between the two. Like what would be the funniest combination? <laughs> like, you know, a song about <laughs> Craigslist, but done in the style of Jim Morrison. That worked, you know. So so normally I would have a, a concept in mind and a style in mind before I started writing the, writing the lyrics. Because a lot of times that would inform, you know, how the, the verses would come together. Um, and it would, it would just help, help on the writing phase. Are there any songs that you look back at and they aren't a pastiche? It's just literally, you went into it just Weird Al original. Yeah. More, more in the early days. Um, you know, at a certain point I decided that I enjoyed writing the, the style parodies and, and when I wasn't doing a direct parody or a polka, I would do those. And, uh, and sometimes even when I did that, uh, there were a couple instances where I would start out as a pastiche. And then it would kind of turn into something different, and it wound up, like like hardware store is not uh, a pastiche of anybody really. It's it's not right. meant to sound like anybody in particular. It started out as as with me thinking I was going to do something, and then I wound up not doing that. Uh, so uh, so that 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 does happen. But but uh, I think I think early on the first couple albums. Uh, or t- talking about using old material, uh, Nature Trail to Hell musically is based on a song that I wrote when I was 10 years old. I wrote this instrumental called, I think I called it Cyclotron when I was 10 okay. years old. <laughs> and and that song was the basis musically for Nature Trail to Hell. So I, like I said, I, I, <laughs> I never like to waste anything, even, even stuff I wrote when I was 10. <laughs> wow. That's incredible. Okay, you just mentioned Hardware Store, and I had a question about Hardware Store. One of these rumors I've heard is there was, uh, at one time, it was being considered for a uh, inclusion in the Yoda chant, the fast part of Hardware Store. Is there any truth to that? That There is truth to that. We we played around with that, and, and you know, I'm not saying it'll never happen, so thanks for ruining the surprise. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but, no, we, we, we tried it, and it just, you know... It just wasn't because if we did it, it would have to be extremely slowed down and in a different style entirely. And we kind of figured maybe what's the point of doing that if we're not going to do it for real. Uh, so yeah, hardware store. Yeah, you know, there, there's a you know a handful of songs which I love and fans love and and I wish we could pull them off live. Uh, 
uh, and the quality that we want to do, but uh, it's just too hard to do. I would love to do hardware store. I would love to do mm -hmm. everything you know is wrong. I would love to do you know genius in France. I would love. Yeah, there's a lot of songs that are just uh, too hard to pull off. Um, and maybe if if we expand the band for a tour or do a different configuration or, I mean. I, 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 I'm trying not to do songs with like a lot of backing tracks, I, you know, which is right. one of the things I liked about right. the Band Aid Tour because that's just like us on stage playing with not a lot of bells and whistles. So I, I, I try to, you know, I, I, I veer away from having too much tech, technical, you know, wizardry, uh, you know, little bells and whistles on stage that, that are not part of the live experience. So what do you say to people that, say you have not put out anything since Mandatory Fun. I mean, that's been 2014 was when Mandatory Fun came out. And now we're talking as if we were in 2021. You know, I, I feel the same way about Tom Lehrer. I mean, it's been like, what, what 53 years or something for him? <laughs> I just, you know, I keep waiting and waiting. And I, I email him every day like, Tom, what's going on, man? I'm still waiting. Where's your next album? <laughs> Um, you know, I I, uh, I I was pretty vocal about the fact that uh, I, I probably wasn't going to be, be doing any any conventional albums after Mandatory Fun, uh, and that's still I, I think the case. I mean, I hate to draw any hard lines in the fan. I, I hate to ne I, you know I never say never and all that, uh, but I, I really don't think that's in the cards. I, I think probably you know uh, Mandatory Fun will be my last studio album but but you know i still intend to do music uh i have uh, you know obviously i haven't been very prolific since 2014 as far as music goes i'm trying to uh you know branch out and do stuff i haven't done before and a lot of that you haven't heard about because it hasn't gotten greenlit <laughs> there's a lot of things i've been trying to do which you know because hollywood is hollywood it's it's a miracle when anything gets made uh so uh that, that's a big reason why you know my output for the last seven years hasn't been that impressive, uh, but but yeah, if 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 a fun project comes up, uh, like doing songs for uh, TV or shows or movies, or if I get another great uh, idea, if something pops on my head and head and I think, boy, I, I need to do this, uh, I won't I, I won't hesitate to do it. Um, I just you know I'm working at my own pace, which as it turns out is pretty darn slow. <laughs> <laughs> Well, no, I don't know if it's fair to say that you haven't, you know, done anything since then. You, you know, the Hamilton polka, the Captain Underpants theme, I, you know, the, all the stuff you did with Portugal the Man. I mean, there's just like somebody put together a list of 140 plus different things you've done since 2014. So I, I don't think that's a fair to say you haven't done you're not being prolific since 2014. Well, relatively, I mean, you know, my the last seven years haven't been the busiest <laughs> time in my life uh, <laughs> as far as releasing music. But yeah, no, uh, obviously, I, I've done a few things here and there, and uh, but but that doesn't satiate the fans that that want a new album or want a constant <laughs> stream of new material. Uh, and I, I'm sorry about that, uh, but you know. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm working on, you know, various other things. And again, hopefully at some point, uh, those things will become reality. And we just mentioned Portugal, the man, and that, that I'm going to use that as a segue, uh, because we are jumping around quite a bit with this interview, but of course, when now I'm going to back up, but I will mention Portugal, the man, but when you were intending to release your pitiful, the famously was denied by Atlantic records, but your Portugal, the man songs, Hamilton Polka, they're on Atlantic Records. Have they apologized? Have they changed their stance? Are we ever going to get a physical release of your pitiful? No, I, I think uh, uh, James Blunt's manager kind of put the kibosh on that. I mean, when when we wanted for wanted it for the uh, uh, for the for the box set, uh, we got a, a very sternly worded letter saying basically, never in a million years this is going to wind up on. <laughs> as an official release so okay uh i hear you how stupid um <laughs> which is unfortunate yeah and aside from that i mean you know you know record companies tend not to hold grudges i mean you know i i have no qualms about working with atlantic records and they have no qualms about working with me and you know it's just one of those things in fact i i think when when uh, portugal the man um sent out their uh uh 
notice to Atlantic Records with the fact that I was going to be on their new single. They they included a picture of me wearing an Atlantic Records sucks T-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, they're, they're fine. They can take a joke. They realize it was mostly in good fun. Ugh. <laughs> uh. <laughs> yeah, I was definitely hoping to see your pitiful on uh, medium rarities. I, I'd heard that uh, maybe Polkamon was potentially going to be on there. Were there any other things you were considering for medium rarities that just didn't work out for one way or another? Well, those are the two that I most wanted to get on there that didn't make it. Uh, Pokemon was just, I don't know what was going on there, but it was a legal thing where the owners of the Pokemon uh, franchise decided for whatever reason they just didn't want that on on my album so i you know i i don't just say that's just the way they felt and so that and and your pitiful didn't make it there are a lot of other songs i was considering uh but but they just wound up not making the album just because there's only so many tracks we can put on the album uh but those two were the i think the the, the top two that i would have had on the album had i'd been allowed to mm-hmm have you ever had any thoughts to releasing some of your older demos, older parodies and things, you know, f- even at, at, on a limited basis, you know, for the uh, har- more hardcore fans? I, I know that there are a s- small group of people like yourselves <laughs> that would appreciate <laughs> that. Um, but it's, it's, it's like, you know, it's like old baby pictures. It's like stuff that I'm not particularly proud of. And I, I don't feel compelled to, you know, push that in people's faces. I mean, if you want to find that stuff, uh, you can find it online. And I know you guys have. And I know a lot of hardcore <laughs> fans track that down and make their own own compilations. And that's fine. I mean, but but uh, but I just uh, beyond a certain point, I, I don't think uh, I, I don't want to be remembered for a lot of those early songs. Uh, it was just me sort of like learning how to make music and and learning how to be funny. And I made a lot of missteps along the way. Not that I haven't in the last 40 years, by the way, but like the really early stuff, right. you know, it, it's best left to the dark corners of the internet, I think. All right, I have a proposal for you, Al. I'm just going to put this out there. Would you ever be willing for just Dave and I to hear some of these unreleased old songs and demos and stuff? And then we won't share them with anyone. We'll just talk about them. Or we don't even have to talk about them. We can just hear them and keep it to ourselves. How do you feel about that? I, I don't even know if I'd have a lot of this stuff. <laughs> Is there anything in particular you're thinking of? Well, you know, we obviously have talked to Bermuda and we we know there's stuff out there. We, you know, Frank Sanchez has some stuff that he's not allowed to send out. And, you know, there's stuff, you know, we there's been rumors of a YouTube polka Hot Shots theme song. You know, there's there's stuff all the, the hot the hot shots the hot shots theme song does exist. I think it did three different versions of it, and I'm sure Bermuda has that somewhere. I don't I I would be I'd be hard pressed to locate it in my files, but yeah. but, but I think John has that somewhere. The the YouTube polka I don't think I could be wrong. John would know this. John knows everything. I don't think we ever recorded <laughs> that. Maybe I don't think we even recorded a demo. I could be wrong. I don't think we ever did. I, I think we basically I came up with a song list and I submitted it, and they came back and said, yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> but 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 hot shots for sure that exists and i'd be fine with the, if with you listening to that um the i submitted that to um uh who, who directed that pat croft was involved uh did this did uh david zucker direct that he might he might have i'm not remembering exactly but but i submitted that and they liked it and then they said yeah we decided we're not gonna have a theme song so hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and wound up with a cassette tape in Bermuda Schwartz's drawer. Well, I, you brought up the YouTube polka. Was that intended for even worse? Uh, I don't know off the top of my head. Possibly. I don't. I don't really remember. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't. I, again, John might know that. I, I don't remember what year that would have been. Uh, but U2 is one of those bands that. Uh, you know, I, I thought it was of a caliber that they would benefit from the the, the Rolling Stones treatment of I could I could do like their entire catalog yeah. as a polka essentially. Yeah. I, I think I to just to narrow it down, I think it was before what what album was uh, the, uh, the Cavity Search on? I I, I should bad know this, <laughs> but whatever whatever it was, I think the U two polka would have come day. before that. Okay, so bad it would have been 
pre-1996, I think, to narrow it down a little bit. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I think famously everyone has suspected it's even worse because there's no polka on that album. I, I don't know if that's the reason there was no polka. It, it could have been, but um, <laughs> I, I, I think more, I think, you know, again, you know, time fogs my memory, but I, I think that was more of a case of me thinking like, oh, I don't want to put a polka on every album. I don't want to be like that predictable. But then after Even Worse came out, people were like, where's the polka? I need my polka. <laughs> people were running running wild in the streets, tearing their hair out. And I was like, okay, fine. I'll do polkas. I mean, are there any other songs like that that have been, you know, maybe you said the Hot Shots theme song. That's kind of, at least at a demo stage that, that has been recorded. Are there any other songs like that that are demos that are out there that we should be trying to track down as hardcore fans? Or or <laughs> or I will add that you'll give us permission to hear from Bermuda's archives. Yeah. Um, well, you, you, you're feel free, feel, feel free to listen to anything from Bermuda's archives. I'm trying to think what else besides that. Uh, Fun Zone famously was supposed to be the theme song to Welcome to the Fun Zone. And the music director said... You know, I, I wrote a theme which I like better than yours. So, <laughs> thanks. <laughs> so, I would have been more mad about that if, if that actually became a series instead of being a one-off pilot. Um, what, what else? Um, I'm trying to think. And then, and then uh, Talk Soup famously was supposed to be the theme song for Talk Soup. <laughs> <laughs> that right. didn't happen either. But I said, well, I wrote the song and I recorded it. I'm going to put on the album anyway. Um, so, I mean, this, this stuff happens, you know, a lot more frequently than, than I would like. But that's, again, that's sort of the way Hollywood works. There's no hidden gems that, that we don't know about or haven't heard rumors about? Uh, I'm trying to think. Um, I mean, nothing nothing off the top of my head. Um, yeah, yeah, John might know, but, but I, I, most of the stuff is either out there or or it's known about so mm-hmm. not not many secret secret tracks that were hiding from you <laughs> i know i've always just personally wanted to hear the dr d superstar in its entirety because dr d has only ever oh. released a, a little bit <laughs> yeah Man, again that's like high school i was like 15 okay. 16 <laughs> so it's nothing worth preserving okay. <laughs> really i mean it, if you wanted to hear it to, uh, you know, I, I don't even know who would have a copy. That would Frank have, Frank Sanchez have a copy? I don't, I don't even know. But yeah, this this is stuff that really doesn't shouldn't be heard by anybody. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, let me ask. Since so you're saying like some of these demos that didn't go out, are there any songs that that have been released that you you know wish hadn't or wish you could go back and change or? you know tweak a lyric or anything like that all the time of course yeah i mean there's so many things i mean production wise i wish i could re-record the whole first album but you know i'm not george lucas so i don't do stuff like that <laughs> um you did one song <laughs> and there, there and there there are word choices which aged very poorly uh over the years uh recently my, my biggest uh uh embarrassment was in word crimes which i'm very proud of and my my last top 40 hit and and you know i, I love the song but i i use the word spastic which in north america is you know not a bad word it just means like some you know goofy uncoordinated dweeb basically and it's just like a common insult what i did not know and i what i learned very quickly after uh, mandatory phone was released is that word is a, a horrible slur in other parts of the world, like the UK and Australia. Uh, it, it 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 basically is as bad as the R word. I mean, it it it's, oh, it's, wow. it uh, connotes a person with, with cerebral palsy, and it's it's a terrible word. And people there were rightfully offended when they heard the song. I had no idea because outside, you know, within North America, by and large, it's not a bad word. Uh, but I learned very quickly. I apologized for it. And when we play Europe or uh, uh, or Australia, when we do uh, word crimes live, I take out that verse because I don't I don't want to offend people. Obviously, right, right. so it's uh, so st- stuff like that. And I could go down the list. There's a lot of words I've used over the years. I mean, th- I'll, I I will say also. Uh, in Jerry Springer, uh, I used a few words, which, you know, 
would be offensive today. And in, not in my defense, I mean, those were the words that they actually used on the Jerry Springer show. <laughs> so I was being true. Well, I, you're you know, being I, was, true. I was being true to the yeah. nature of the show. Yeah. I was I was being reflective yeah. of the show and they used those words. Uh, I understand and realize those words are not cool to say these days, but that's why I use them at the time. And, and that's also why I don't play Jerry Springer anymore. <laughs> And I, I guess I wasn't even intending to go go towards words that you regret using, but do you think have you thought of better rhymes or you know funnier words or anything like that? Like, is there, you know, do you want to change a word and I love Rocky Road or you know anything like that? Uh, mostly no. I mean, I, I agonize over my lyrics before I release them, so it, it's not often that I would go, "Oh, I should have uh, had a different rhyme for for orange or whatever it was," <laughs> uh, but. Uh, so that that that's not usually the case. It's more uh, a performance like, oh man, that note's a little flat. I wish you could have fixed that, or or again like a, a poor choice choice of words that that you know that years later is not as cool. Mm-hmm. Like even the word midget, which you know I, I use several times right. <laughs> over the years, it's just you know. <laughs> Not not really a, a cool word to use anymore. So it's language is fluid, it evolves, and and uh, and I apologize for anybody and everybody that I may have offended <laughs> over the years with my choice of language. I mean, it it also kind of comes with the territory of having a forty plus year career. Yeah, I mean, we could go through UHF and talk about all the things <laughs> which wouldn't be cool now. We don't have, but to. apparently, a stereo, stereotypes were totally fine in the eighties. We'll see, you know. <laughs> Well, if you were to decided to perform a song like Jerry Springer or something today, would you consider writing or or changing the lyrics to like an alternate concert only version of that song so you could put it out for the fans who do enjoy hearing these older songs that maybe you wanted to change a lyric here or there? Because because of time, I I don't know that 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 feels very kids boppy to me to, to kind of sanitize <laughs> the, the the lyrics just for the sake of not offending people. I think I'd either omit it or just not do it. But 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 changing it just feels I don't know that that doesn't sit right with me somehow. Yeah. So a while back we were actually when we were talking to Bermuda, he said that he he thought there might have been a song where the lyrics had like a last minute change because one of the celebrities referencing it had passed away. Do you recall what song that was and what the line was that had to change? Um, that could have been a couple of things. I I I don't know if Anna Nicole Smith had just passed away and if that was a consideration. I I think I think maybe what he's referring to is in in um. Oh gosh, my my brain is going. In uh, close but no cigar, I I think maybe Marlon Brando had died between us recording the song and it getting released, or mm. or it, before, because like so I think maybe it changed from Marlon Brando loves souffle to Marlon Brando loved souffle. That could have been what he's referring to. <laughs> wow, would there be a version with that alternate lyric? I don't. I I honestly don't know. We, we may. He, we may have made the change before we got into the studio, so I'm not 100% sure. It okay. may have been loves on the demo and loved <laughs> on the final track, I forget. <laughs> One thing that um, we had just been talking about recently on the podcast is with the new Apple Music update, um, we can hear a, a different version of Canadian Idiot with the uh, parts. What was the story on that? Yeah, I, I I heard about that, and I, I'm I'm surprised. I'm surprised because that was the- well. We need to stop right there. We cannot possibly give away our entire interview with Weird Al on this episode. What will people listen to on August 29th, twenty fifty seven, when episode two thousand inch airs? Well, I feel like we can give them just a little bit more. You think? So, Dave, I had an idea. Sorry, Ethan. You already used up your idea allotment for this episode. Well, Dave, hear me out. Okay. Shoot. This is our first episode of October, right? Yeah. What do you think of when you think of October? Osmosis. Um, yeah. Well, anyway, October is Weird Al's birthday month, right? Right. So what if we played clips from our episode 2000-inch interview with Weird Al all month 
to celebrate his 62nd birthday. That is such a great idea. We could call it Osmosis October. Uh, or we could call it Weird Altober, or Watt for short. Well, that's better than WAP. All right, it's settled. That's right, listeners, for the entire month of October, or Altober, we are going to play clips from our interview with Weird Al from episode 2000 Inch. All right, so let me get this straight. On episode 128 Inch, next week, we interview Weird Al? Yep. All right, and then again on episode 127 Inch, we interview Weird Al? Well, that's this episode. This is episode 127 Inch, so yes. Oh, right. So then episode 129 Inch, we will interview Weird Al? Righto, Dave! And episode 130 inch, again, we interview Weird Al. Um, well, is that in October? Yep. Then that's a big ol' yep, Dave. And episode 131 inch, we get to interview Weird Al? Well, that one airs on November 3rd, and Dave, that's not October. You know, you're not yourself when you're hungry. I think you need a burrito from Burrito Burrito before the next phase in their corporate agenda moves them closer to the Burrito 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 of the future. This week's episode is brought to you in part by vegan burrito restaurant Burrito Burrito in Troy, New York, home of the two-pound double-wrapped in a quesadilla Burrito Burrito and Wizard Burger in Albany, New York. Come on down to Burrito Burrito and Burrito Burrito, your Burrito Burrito, or hop on over to Wizard Burger for mouth-watering, loaded, dare I say beefy, vegan burgers. From Troy to Albany to Uranus, Burrito Burrito and Wizard Burger, feed the hungry with out-of-this-world, plant-based, real food, always vegan style. Visit burritosquared.com or wizardburger.com and order ahead. Wait, wait, before, did you say the future? Ugh, yes, we did. I didn't know we'd have to talk to you, though, Henry. Well, you have to talk to me, too, Sonny. Oh, boy. All right. Hello, David. You know, those burrito, 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 burritos of the future are fantastic. Except for some reason, they only accept Canadian nickels for payment in the future. So just keep that in mind. I have one every night before I put on my sky-high combination sweatband and solar-powered blender. Okay, guys, this was a really exciting episode for us, and you're kind of ruining it. People only like you when you're us. Can you two at least make yourselves useful and tell us who won the Patreon raffle for September 2021? Sure! The first winner! If I recall correctly, was Jeff McClelland. And the other winner was JM. Congratulations to September raffle winners Jeff M and JM. They each win a super cool official Dave and Ethan's 2000 inch Weird Al podcast t-shirt or equivalent, from our merchandise shop at shop.2000inch.com. If you want to get in on this special Weird Al-related October Patreon raffle, along with all the other great perks of being in our Patreon family, be sure to join this month at patreon.com slash 2000inch. And because I'm in the future, I can already tell that they loved their podcast t-shirts or equivalent. Okay, I heard enough from you. Uh, we're going to disconnect. Thanks a lot. All right, yep, goodbye. Okay, bye. You know, Henry talking about that burrito, 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 yada, whatever, definitely made me hungry. Yeah, it made me hungry too. Hey, intern Frank, go get some of those for us. All right, Dave, while our intern Frank is ordering those burrito, burrito, whatever for us, I've got a game to play with you. Oh, I love games. Is this at all like cribbage? Actually, it's very similar to cribbage. Um, in that they are both games. Wow, cool. All right. So you know the game 20 questions? 
I sure do. Does that count as one of the 20 questions? No, we haven't started yet. I'm trying to introduce the game, Dave. Ah, yeah. Okay, okay. Yes, I've heard of the game 20 questions. All right, good. So how this is going to work is I'm going to give you 20 clues in a row, then you only get one guess. Are you in? Well, does that count as one of the 20 questions? No! All right, let's do it. All right. Clue number one. Get ready. I'm thinking of a person. Is it David Grant, a.k.a. Sebastian Shepard? Well, yes, actually. How did you get that so fast? I don't know. It was sort of the way we were both talking. It just really seemed like a David Grant ad. Well, I didn't get to give more clues, you know, like how his website, wolfinwool.com. You can go there and learn all about his book, The Ruins of Our Past, and how his comedy rap career got started as MC Chalkskin. Oh, and don't get me started on his TikTok. His TikTok is... All right, so follow at SEB underscore SHEP on TikTok and visit wolfandwool.com. This week's episode is brought to you in part by Discover Darwin, promoting tourism in Darwin, Minnesota. Not only is historic Darwin, Minnesota... Uh, beautiful, it's also weird. I am not going to read this thing about the the beaver and the Queen of England. That sounds more like a Chilliwack thing. Gotta pass. So visit Darwin, Minnesota on your next expedition. Discover Darwin more than just a twine ball. And after you visit Darwin, Minnesota, be sure to visit discoverdarwin.biz. Each week, we're able to bring you our podcast absolutely free, thanks to our sponsors Burrito Burrito, Discover Darwin, Jackson Scoggins, David Grant at WolfandWool.com, and Angel Valenzuela and David Cash. And thanks to our amazing close personal friend Patreon supporters, Allison Blair, Frank from the Bank, Kenneth, Jared, Jake, Javier, UH Jeff, and Zeb. And thanks to Joe K and everyone else in our pretty stinking majestic Patreon family. If you enjoy our family-friendly weekly Weird Al podcast, please consider supporting us at patreon.com slash 2000inch. Or by picking up some pretty stinking majestic official Dave and Ethan's 2,000-inch Weird Al podcast merchandise, such as t-shirts, tote bags, tank tops, and more, including our brand new line of Discover Darwin products, all by heading to shop.2000inch.com. And after you visit shop.2000inch.com, grab your copies of Black and White and Weird All Over and check out our special book series where we sit down with author John Bermuda Schwartz as he walks us through the book page by page and picture by picture. And remember, Patreon supporters, you get to hear every single bonus episode early. We love hearing from our listeners and other Weird Al fans. Join our Facebook community and post about Weird Al and what you thought of episode 127-inch by visiting group.2000inch.com. And we'd love it when we receive voicemail via our official 27-hour-a-day podcast hotline, 347-SPATULA. You might even hear your message on a future episode. The 347 Spatula Hotline, the official hotline of David Ethan's 2000-inch Weird Al podcast, is sponsored by Angel Valenzuela and David Cash, two amazing Weird Al fans and longtime podcast supporters. For everything about our podcast, including incredible past guests and incredible past episodes, be sure to visit WeirdAlPodcast.com or 2000inch.com and keep up on new episodes, podcast news, and events by following at 2000inch on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And thank you for subscribing and leaving reviews on Apple Podcasts, Podcast Addict, Spotify, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app. And if you want a quick and easy way to listen to the podcast, just say, Hey Alexa, play Dave and Ethan's 2000-inch Weird Al podcast. Thank you once again to our guest from episode 2000-inch, Weird Al Yankovic. Also thanks to John Bermuda Schwartz and thank you to the Grammy Award winning Jim Kimo West for our incredible theme song. And a big thanks to all of you, our listeners, subscribers, Patreon supporters and sponsors, and everyone else who makes our podcast possible. Thank you for listening to Dave and Ethan's 2000-inch Weird Al podcast. And always remember to gill and chill. 
Wow! It's so pretty stinking majestic that we got to talk to Weird Al on episode 2000 Inch. And you know what else is pretty stinking majestic? We are going to air even more of our interview with Weird Al from episode 2000 Inch on next week's episode. And you know what else is pretty stinking majestic? All month long, we'll air clips from our interview with Weird Al. It's Weird Al-tober on Dave and Ethan's 2,000-inch Weird Al podcast. And you know what else is pretty stinking majestic? The sky-high combination sweatband and solar-powered blender? Well, yes, but also those sweet, sweet cooing sounds that you make. Take it away, Ethan. That was Dave and Ethan's 2,000-inch Weird Al podcast, episode 127-inch. Where do I get all those crazy ideas? I need my polka!